Oh, that was uh, not moments. That was a big part of the, of the especially like first half. Um, we didn't. Uh, we, did, we were not connected offensively or defensively. Um, everybody's were like kind of like walking on eggshells, and uh, you know, start of the game, all the turnovers that we had uh, is the question of focus, and uh, it's it's the question of like bringing that effort to to the, to the game. You know, so that was lacking for the start of the game. We we tried to find it that that uh, you know grew later in the game, but not enough to to make a uh, comeback. Van Morning Show, Sportsnet 5.9 in the van. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. What does it take for Darko Ryakovich to take that passion that he used to tear mm. a strip off the officials in Los Angeles, to tear a strip off his team? If that's not it yesterday, Raptors losing 108-100 to the Grizzlies, who uh, now leapfrogged them for the seventh worst record in the NBA. Raptors now sixth. They have no John Morant. They have no Desmond Bain. Mm. The, the Grizzlies improve to 16 and 27. Yeah, and the 108-100 scoreline like flatters the Raptors. If that's not enough to have you come strong to the microphone with some criticisms of your team, I I, I don't I don't know necessarily what is. Good morning, Brent. Oh yeah, hey, good morning uh, to to you as well. I think it's you heard it there. I mean, you know, part of it is language barrier, you know, I don't know if that's maybe exactly the words you wanted to use, but you said it. Like teams walking on eggshells. Clearly thinks it's a bit of a this is a, it's a dangerous loaded word in this city, but I don't know what other word to use. It feels like the team's a bit maybe fragile right now in terms mm. of their psyche, in terms of how they're feeling, which is weird because all we've done is blow smoke up their butt since the trade, despite them losing pretty much every game since. And part of that was the weird start with the Lakers loss and the really hard fought moral victory against the Clippers. And mm. that feels like a hundred years would, ago. Now I would kill for some moral oh, victories. God, let me get some oh, delicious moral I'm like, victories I'm going up with my boy. Like, Oh, please, sir. Do you have any more of those moral victories? And guess what? Darko and the Raptors are like, absolutely uh, not. Just whacking me with that wood spoon. No more for you. Oh man. It, it's brutal. I would lo- I agree with the sentiment here. I also think this is part of the, long-term plan or the feel of a first-year coach and my young team. I'm not defending it, but you ask me why, I'm telling you that's why, I think. I, okay, sure. Okay. You can get there. You can find You can find a reason okay. why. Uh, uh, okay, I'll put it to you. You go. You yell and scream. Go. At the Raptors? Yes. Oh, Lab. I know. It's easy. I'm setting you up. Go for <laughs> it. Okay. Well, this is – I get it. Well, first of all, let's start here. Mm. Because – I understand the sentiment the Masai Ujiri took to the microphone talking about this being uncharted territory and talking about, hey, this is going to be some inconsistent play coming mm-hmm. your way, and, and this is not uh, a, a style or a level of basketball that you've come accustomed to watching in Toronto under my purview, mm-hmm. but that's the way it's got to be, and we're ready for whatever the next couple of years, two, three. Mm-hmm. Normally, yeah, rebuild takes around that time. Uh, I'm very patient, maybe mm-hmm. to a fault. Get ready for that, which I get. Like, there's right. a logical reason mm-hmm. why you would you would put that forth. But to which I would say, like, isn't three-fifths of the starting five of the Raptors, the good Raptors team, whenever that emerges, mm-hmm. currently playing basketball for the Toronto Raptors right now? And isn't there all, like, once you do that, once you mm-hmm. go on record with, hey, we're in for some painful losses, some ugly-looking basketball. I think there's pain coming, there's pain coming. Isn't there free reign then given to your players to, 
I mean, do whatever they want. And because the results, they're irrelevant. And despite the fact that the Raptors would like to convey maybe that first-round pick this season in a crappy draft as opposed to next season to the San Antonio Spurs, you just said, well, we'll take whatever happens here. Wins, losses, is all about development. Doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Like, don't you set the tone when you do that? Yeah, I think there's some element of it for sure. But I also think that you have to, You, I mean, so I guess what would you have liked? Would you have liked them to say that this team is absolutely ready to win now? Because no, I don't think anybody's ready for that you either. You don't have to. Uh, you're so I, mad at me early. You, Normally I'm the angry one. Well, I just, I, I loved my like two weeks of, okay, moral victories, yada, yeah, yeah. yada, yada. But like watchable basketball. That was unwatchable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was brutal. It was a that rock was fight last un- night. Watchable. That was that was the I said this earlier in in reference to this Raptors team earlier this year. That was a fight with the rims last night. That's what it felt like. Well, it was a fight with a like, hey, how many courtside seat uh, like celebrities can we chuck basketballs at in the first quarter? <laughs> like it was ridiculous, brutal. man. It was brutal. It's a stretch of basketball. They're now two and eight in their last ten. Again, like okay, let's let's throw two more moral victories in there. They're four and six in their last ten. That's not where you want. To be, and I think it's a good point you bring up about the fact that you have three fifths of the starting lineup. I think the biggest question, you know, like again, when you close your eyes and squint and see this team being good, I think people think RJ Barrett's going to be a part of it. You better. You just traded OG and O before him, and we all think quickly is going to be a part of it. Again, you better. You just traded OG and O before him. So I think you look at it. Now, the question I think, and I I share all the exact same frustration and, and opinions of you, but I think the question I'll throw back is are we sure that quickly and Barrett are the second and third guys on that team? Because if they're, if they're the, oh, they better be starting. They better well, be of like, course, no, no, at least of course, fourth and fifth on that team. Okay. But we do, we feel, we feel very differently about it. If quickly is supposed to be the third banana and RJ is the fourth or fifth starter there, we feel very differently about it. Then if quickly is supposed to be Scotty Barnes running mate, and R.J. Barrett is the kind of third piece of that. I don't think anybody envisions this fully formed Raptors team as that, but I don't know that Masai Ujiri doesn't envision one of those guys as a kind of key running mate for for Scotty. So I think that's the the question of how worried you should be about how this all goes. No one likes this right now. Even if you're somebody in in kind of, well, tank mode, you'd love every loss, I guess. But if you're somebody who's just in, okay, it's going to go slow together, it'll take time. No one likes this, but I think you're more understanding and acceptable of it if when you think now – to that, I would say, where are you getting the second and third guy if it's not quickly and Barrett? I think these are all very, very fair questions to ask. But I think that's the the kind of natural follow-up is, are you more ex- accepting is too strong a term, but are you more understanding of this if you don't think those guys are going to be two and three on whatever the fully formed version of this Raptors team is? I don't accept. I don't, uh, I don't make excuses for anything I saw on the basketball court for 48 minutes <laughs> yesterday. Because like, I... I know these these guys. Nobody's like not trying, but boy, if they weren't, wouldn't it look a lot like what we saw yesterday mm-hmm. against the Grizzlies team again without John Morant or Desmond Bain, who won the game I to should... prove to sixteen and twenty seven. This is okay, and you can you can take your moral victories against the Lakers yeah, yeah. and and the the Clippers and and you know hanging in there against the Celtics. It's all well and good. What I what I said I wanted to mm-hmm. evaluate this team on was their record against bad teams, which is now 500, right? Yep. Um, This is a team that is not good. Nobody's going to argue that it's good. Mm -mm. And who knows how long it'll take until they are good. But they're not... Man, have you looked at the bottom of the NBA standings? Like, that's what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. This team, like, battling with the Wizards and the Spurs... 
And uh, the Pistons, uh, later on, I'll, you listen, you know what? I'll bring it up now. Go for it. it. The, the teams that this Raptors team has lost to this season, Portland, Charlotte, Brooklyn, Detroit. Yeah, they're not good. The I don't Bulls know what to tell twice. you. They're not good. It is not a good basketball team. The guy, if it, I'm not a believer that they should have done this, but if you are, the guy they traded a first-round pick for that they had to top six protect, and again, it's the reason we have all these conversations this year. He ain't been playing throughout this entire yeah, stretch. No. Now, I want to be is so, important. No, okay, yeah, he's important. He ain't he ain't changing the the tide for this entire team and what it is right now. I think that is the frustrating part about this is that there's always an excuse. There's always mm. a reason of well, you know, this cloud, this trade cloud's hanging over the team. How could they possibly perform? Okay, uh, well, trade clouds lifted at least one of them. Well, you know, Pascal, you're still waiting for that. Okay, uh, Pascal's been traded. You're still waiting. Well, you know, Jakob Pertl is not there. This isn't the fully formed entity. Feels like there's always a reason why. But I point to it. The reason why. It's because they're just not that good a basketball yeah, team. Thad Young, look how much you lean on Thad Young every yeah. every given night for this team. Sure, 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 sure. And Jontai Porter, you got yeah. poked in the eye. Yeah, a bunch of G League uh, guys. Okay, great. I, I don't care. Like, honestly, you, you can lose that game. I, I, that's not even the worst part of it. Hey, like you know, uh, Luke Kennard goes off, hits a bunch of threes, hit one from, like, behind the backboard uh, yep. late in that game. Um, that, that, that happens. It, it can't look... Like it looked yesterday for forty eight minutes. Like that that can't continue because that that is I don't I don't know what you expect to change between now and then. I mean the What's gonna get better? What like what on this roster? Ten turnovers in a quarter? Like that that's that's something that can continue? Like that's what that's hey, that's Hey, you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. I am not sitting here and defending it. You just listed all the teams they lost to. The Detroit Pistons are genuinely one of the worst basketball yeah. teams that has ever been put together in the time that I have walked this earth. Uh -huh. And guess what? They lost to him. And it wasn't some fluke. It wasn't a freak of nature. A lightning bolt didn't come down. The Pistons Pascal didn't. Pascal played in that the game. The Pistons didn't turn into the Monstars. <laughs> no, they're still just the Detroit Pistons, yeah. who last I checked, well. guess what? They still stink. So you you nailed it. They, lost, they lose to all these bad teams. Guess what? It's probably a bad team. Do I feel, do, does this make me feel super bullish on Scotty Barnes in the future? Boy, I'm starting to have a lot of questions there. I, I still mean, think, he was spectacular. Yeah. He almost had like a quadruple double. Yeah, it's great. And at some point in time, that needs <laughs> to go. I mean, that, six blocks. That needs to go from being stuff in the stat sheet, being able to do everything and giving your team a chance to giving your team a win. Like the whole, the whole tenant of, of how this Raptors thing is being built is that that guy can be one of the best five, six, eight, whatever. Pick your your number, how big the club gets to be. Players in the world and will be enough. Now, I'm not saying it can't be, but losing, we talked about this, we talked about the other side of this uh, with the DD yesterday. We were talking about football. Winning begets winning, mm -hmm. and guess what? Losing begets losing. And this is not Scotty Barnes' fault that the team is going the way it is. But you can't tell me that this isn't affecting his ceiling or what he can ultimately be. Getting used to seeing this every night of going, yeah, I did you my can job. come out of it. Yeah, it's it's not I'm not ideal. saying this is ruining him, but this is it I, it gives me a little bit of pause about the grand master plan here that a guy like that is not able to power you over. And it, I, I'm not saying this to say this is Scotty Barnes' fault, but if the plan is he is going to be the one to lead you to the promised land and all of that, 
he should be able to lead you past a Grizzlies team with no John Moran, uh, no Desmond Bain. I mean, there are like still factually, you know, four other players on the court at one time. And I don't think even in the the best iteration of Scotty Barnes, he's doing what Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns, who, by the way, uh, did not win the basketball game against the Charlotte Hornets yesterday. Very on brand, with his for, very on brand night for Cat. I, I mean, that... T-Wolves team has been so good this year, so it's it's hard to, to really criticize him. But, yeah, no, this is not – I don't think a guy that's going to lead the NBA in scoring. He's going to stuff the stat sheet, which he did mm-hmm. yesterday. Six blocks. Again, like on the verge of a triple-double, and hey, you can squint and see that quadruple-double there with the six yep. blocks. Um, I don't think this is a guy that's going to single-handedly win you a basketball game because he scored 70. Uh, in a game, like that's that's not in in the best iteration of Scotty Barnes. That's not yeah. So what you're looking at, anyways. The, the reason I started with Darko Ryakovich, who we're still learning about yeah. here, and the intensity that we saw, and he became for me the Raptors head coach sure. when he took to the microphone and tore a strip off the officials uh, after their performance in Los Angeles against the Lakers, handing LeBron and Anthony Davis a victory, uh, was because yeah, I I think you you do have to look at coaching. Okay, and maybe I'm way off base here. Okay, may, maybe this team is just, it really is. Like, look at the rosters and 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 them and the Wizards, not that far off. I don't think so. Like, I do think there's still, like, capable basketball players here, and they're going to trade Bruce Brown for some level of return yeah. to maybe the Lakers. That That's a guy that was on a championship team a season ago, and yep. there's a team in contention that, that wants to put him in their rotation. Like I said, three-fifths of mm-hmm. the starting uh, lineup for whenever this Raptors team is going to be good is on this team. One of those guys is, as the head coach said, the face of the NBA. Mm-hmm. And we can at least say the face of this Raptors sure. team and and one of the faces. Like, I, I don't think it's, it's too far afield to say that they hope that one day he can at least be a top 15 player mm-hmm. in the NBA. Okay, Th- that's all well and good. The intensity, the, the way that game looked for 48 minutes, the way this team has looked more often than not, honestly, save for the, like, week and a half, two weeks immediately following the trade mm-hmm. where I was like, oh, they're losing. But you know what? This is very watchable basketball. Mm-hmm. Outside of that little sliver of time in this season, like, haven't we seen that type of effort more often than not this year? And doesn't, like, where where, where does coaching come in? Yeah, I guess, I don't know. I just, it is always, no matter, kind of no matter the sport we talk about, I always roll my eyes at a lot of this of, the, the coach who makes infinitely less money and has less security than these guys needs to go in there and scream at the millionaire athlete to tell him to wake up and try harder. And, you know, I know you're not putting it quite that bluntly, but that's the way I kind of look at it. I don't think, you know, well, let's, uh, let's not pick on Scotty Barnes. Let's pick on literally anybody else. Gary Trent Jr. I don't think Darko yelling at him and telling him to tighten it up and clean up the turnovers is going to make him do anything other than, Okay, Darko. And I think part of, I don't think that's a case of they, them disrespecting him. I think it's a case of you hired who you hired. When you do the thing of, hey, this is a dual track guy. He can be the fiery winning coach or he can be the development build you up coach. And you talk about vibes from the jump, then the vibes got to stay good. You don't get to just immediately about face who you've been all season long and start. Being... That's what development is, though, is like put no, on a I, happy face. I don't think it is, but that has been what development has been from this guy from the jump. And it's a pretty short track record. As it's Charlie Montoyo, then. Well, a little bit. Do you not think that? I'm not saying that he is in terms of a in terms of a coach. You know, I mean, a baseball manager. What do they do? And, you know, we've had this conversation a million times in 23 and or 2023 and 2024. But. I think there was a massive element of it is this guy's going to be, one, happy to have the job, 
if it gets to be a grinding season, he has the right mentality to kind of carry through that. Uh, I think that's being tested very, very much so right now. And again, I'm not sitting here and saying that's what I want, but if you've been that guy through the first, whatever it is, 30, 40 games of the season we're at now, and all of a sudden you, you know, maybe you could say last night's performance was so bad that it causes him to just do an about face. And I'm not saying it wasn't brutal, but it, Anytime somebody shows you, you know, again, just look at your own personal life. When somebody's like, you know, we've all seen this like in our younger days of like, oh, you know, a group of the opposite sex comes around. So all of a sudden somebody's like cracking jokes left, right. And it's like, buddy, that's not you. Just be yourself. And I look at that with Coach Darko. If he starts ripping a strip off these guys. Well, he's back to Coach Darko for you. Eh? You reverted. It was just one day. Okay. It was literally just the day after the fine. And then guess what? They lost again. So, mm-hmm. yeah, right the way back. And I said he was going to need 42 wins. You tell me when that 42nd oh, win is yeah. coming. Next she, year. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably around November. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so I, I that's just the thing. I, like, I don't think what you're saying is without merit, but I also think they hired who they hired. Uh, if they wanted a drill sergeant, like, I don't know, Dwayne Casey poking around out there. Sergeant. You can scream at these guys, tell them to pound the rock. No, no, no. I don't need a drill sergeant. But what I need... Uh, and I don't even need results as far as, like, getting a victory at the end of these games. Mm. Uh, what I can't have is that type of effort that looks and, – and a type of basketball game that looks like, yeah, Monday night at the Y. Like, that. that's honestly what that looked like. That looked, that was garbage. That's that's unwatchable. That is garbage. It's no good. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess now you can look at this team two ways. One is, like, good news. Going oh, Denny Green. They are who we thought they were. Good news. You're on track to hold on to your 2024 first round pick. As I mentioned, you drop into the bottom six in the overall NBA standings. You're not going to, bottom five is like, you, you can't get there. <laughs> Those teams Stop. are so, they're, man, it's so hard to be that bad. They're so uh, good at being bad. That's another world of bad. So like, Top six, if, if you're of the tanking mindset, that's as, that's as good as it's going to get for you. The Pistons actually were like, you know, we'll spot you this loss. We'll do you solid wraps. Yeah. You can have this loss. Yeah. Um, you still ain't going to touch us. We're so bad. E, there's still a long ways to go here. But yeah, this, the the first round pick uh, given to the Spurs in the Akinpertal deal is top six protected. It's top six mm-hmm. protected this year. And if the Raptors end up in a top six draft lottery spot, then it's top six protected for next year. And then next year, if you once again draft in the first round in the lottery, it becomes two second round picks uh, the following season. So, you, yeah, you, you can, and Michael Grange outlined the possibility uh, of that exact scenario mm. where you're this bad again next year. And my goodness, yeah, we've been lucky here. We've been kind of spoiled, honestly, with our tanks in this yeah. city. Worked out well. I mean, you look at the, the Leafs, and it was, okay, maybe you can talk about the tank being two years. It was really one year where it was a real concerted effort, and, like, Garrett Sparks is being thrown overboard. And... God, Garrett Sparks. <laughs> and, boy, you Still can... Still remember him calling out the team and Babs going, he said what? It was so bad. Yeah, oh, God. yeah. Uh, and you can, you can quibble about the postseason results. I don't think anybody would. It's obviously been underwhelming. That You can't argue with the level of hope that exists mm-hmm. within this Leafs organization. Dangerous and, thing. Well, and compare it to the pre-Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, mm-hmm. William Nylander, Toronto Maple Leafs. It's non-comparable. This is, 
Listen, you can. It, I, it's not perfect. No, I'm just. I'm just actually just laughing at the thought of there being a salute gate on this team yeah. and how funny that would be. Oh, it's, yeah, that's what we're talking about, though, right? Uh, <laughs> and you had the one weirdo half season where Nazem Kadri played in the AHL and led them to you know four one lead against the Bruins in the first round. Blah 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 in Game Seven. Yeah, other than that, it's been it's been gross, right? And the tank. The tanking of the Toronto Maple Leafs lasted two years. Year three, in the first season of Austin Matthews, with no expectations, they made the playoffs and, yep. and took the Capitals to six games. Blue Jays was like three years, and in the weirdo COVID season, Vlad and Bo arrived, and you made the playoffs, and ever since, again, you can argue well, with the end results. Well, I was just going to say tanking's a little different in baseball too, right? right. Like it's like Bo is not a result of the first-round pick that you got nope. because you were brutal and you just went and bought Vlad. Like, right. But it's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Pick yeah. up your point. But that that was a, a team that yeah, yeah. took a concerted Stripped step. It down and, yep backwards they were not trying to win for a couple of years the raptors had the one tampa tank season that netted them scotty barnes and yeah, okay it's the the subsequent years have been bizarre but they won 48 games yeah. the next year returning home to toronto i i look at this roster again three-fifths of the starting lineup when it's going to be good is here and playing basketball right now and maybe my expectations are way too outsized I, I, so what are they? Let's maybe maybe let's delve into that. Like, what are your expectations for this team? I mean, I I can't wrap my head around <laughs> being worse than this <laughs> next year, which is like that's like people are legitimately writing about that possibility. Being a bottom six team this year, retaining your first round pick Oof. in this twenty twenty four bad NBA draft, which, I mean, we can all put, you know, oh, we can do our, our Giannis and our, our Jokic, you know, comparables and the bad drafts that those guys existed in and the yeah. picks that they were selected in. Yeah, sure. Like, that, anybody can yeah, yeah. catch lightning in a bottle. And, and in a world of limitless possibilities, perhaps that happens to you. But clearly, like, you go on, a, you make decisions on a percentage likelihood basis, mm -hmm. and the percentages would tell you that, yeah, this is not the draft you want to have a million picks. Nope. Um, okay, they're, they're really bad this year. They have three-fifths of their starting lineup next year. And these are not, like, 19-year-olds. Like, uh, no, Gigi no. yesterday is nailing threes. Yeah. He's 19 years old, uh, youngest player in the NBA. The, we're talking about 22 and 23-year-old players. A sweet jump shot when you just mimic that, by the way. Yeah, thanks. Uh, uh, but, no, these are – these, and they're not veteran players, but these are – like, R.J. Barrett, it, it, he didn't just show up yesterday. He's not a fully formed entity, but he's more or less formed. Yeah. yeah. We're we're getting closer yeah. to understanding what that player is, and he's he's been pretty great, mm. honestly. Com compared night. to the toxic asset that may have been attached to to his contract when he arrived here, what the hell are we talking about here? Like I, I again, maybe my expectations are too yeah. high. I see this team as being one that can beat bad teams this year, and boy, it appears that I'm False. wrong. Wrong, you're definitely. I, it I, seems you know I'm not shy to tell you you're wrong. You're I'm wrong. at least beat the bad no. teams this year. And next year, go into it with some expectation that you could make a play-in tournament game? Like, what are we talking about? We're talking about, like, three and four and five-year plans with players that, yeah. okay, so Scotty Barnes is going to be, what, like 25, 26 mm -hmm. when this team is ready to win? That that seems far afield, man. Like, that, I, and I don't, maybe I'm being more impatient than the most patient man in the yeah. world is Masai Ujiri. He didn't call himself the most patient, but he said to a fault that he is patient. Yeah. God, I wish that was me. But this isn't like if why we're 
factually not tearing it down to the studs because again there are there are pieces to this puzzle you're about to mm-hmm. hand Emmanuel quickly a pretty sizable contract as a, re- a restricted yep. free agent and Scotty Barnes Scotty yeah. Barnes is going to be given the max rookie extension mm-hmm. RJ Barrett That's is already, already paid. getting paid you you're not spending that type of money on a team that you expect to be bottom 5 in the NBA next year I I agree with all man, pains me to say this I agree with almost everything you said there. So I'm just going to try to understand it from a Raptors perspective. I think if you're Masai Ujiri and he would, he said it patient to a fault. I think he was patient to a fault. We don't need to reiterate the last year and a half of shows we have done about the OG trade and the Pascal trade and the things that could have been done and going back to do, to do Pirtle and all of that. But I think that he just allowed things to fester too much this year. I'm not completely ruling out that this group you know, post all-star break has a reset and things look better. I don't think it's all of a sudden a, you know, a top 10 team in the league or anything along those lines, but I think that there is still a chance to get a kind of reset, a bounce back here. But I think the other problem is that you just allowed things to fester. You had a new coach in Darko who you clearly want to allow to install his systems, his play, however you want to want to term that. Well, when two of the, pieces that you're relying on every single night everyone knows are going to walk out the door and then you're going to have to start working in two to three new pieces you basically are starting the season fresh again now I don't say that to be ah this is acceptable you just punt on the year you throw up your hands and go but I think that's kind of what's happened here they waited too long they had things how many again to bring up a leaf parallel here how many times we say well Sheldon Keefe never had a real training camp Darko's basically having to do a second training camp now because, you know, on a basketball team, you train, you change two thirds of the starting lineup. That is not, that's not a, a minor change. That's a massive overhaul of what you're looking to do. And how can it not knock your team out of the very minimal flow it was in beforehand? It's almost like they've just been running in, in a standstill here. They've yet to get any traction. So I think that's the way I, I look at it. I don't disagree with anything you said. I think that, you know, we talk about punt years all the time. That's what this kind of feels like. It's try to convey the pick. That's garbage, though. Yeah, okay, agreed. But it was garbage when they made the Pirtle trade. It was garbage when they didn't make the Siakam trade a year and change ago. And, okay, maybe I can feel a little differently about the OG one because you got two assets, although the assets aren't helping you to the point we've been screaming about for the last 20-some-odd minutes. But that's the way I look at it. That's what I kind of think is happening here. You can talk about it being a developmental year. You can't talk about it being a punt year, like, okay. uh, honestly. Well, Okay, then they would say that because that's why they hired Darko. But that's but they they did say it was a punt year essentially. This is I mean I started yes. this whole entire conversation with the Masai Ujiri press conference where he said, yeah. "Yeah, oh boy, I'm patient to a fault and get ready for some uneven play." Okay, that may be true, man. I, I got to say though, when you put it on record like that, when you give your players free reign to suck, yeah, that's that's it. That's yeah, that, it. That's in. Even if that's implied, right, or that's the message behind the scenes, that yeah. you tell all of us that, hey, don't be too hard on this team because they're going to suck. Like, we, we're, had, we're, we suck now. We had Bobby Webster on the show, and what's going to be different? The vibes. It's going to feel better. That was the answer. That was the answer. Like, from the call from inside the house was, well, everyone's going to be in a better mood, and you have a kind of exhale, and there's a bit of a sea change, and you feel differently. I don't know. Does it feel much better in Raptors land than it did when Nick Nurse? Yeah, but this was is a different around? team, though. Like Completely he, he was, he was talking about the team with OG Ananobi and, and Pascal Siakam. Well, when okay. the edict was to win, right? Okay. Like they were. Again, the, like, what did you think was going to happen and, with that and, group? We and, need to relitigate all that again. 
yeah. It's just infuriating. It's a, it is it is infuriating the way that this thing has kind of festered going on for two years. And then I think you, I, again, I'll say it, I'll say it again. The Siakam trade, I feel differently about, but I like the OG trade. I think it was a good trade that was made. I think you just made it too late and then you didn't follow it up with your second trade kind of immediately. You allowed that to fester as well. Well, that's coming. That's another. I mean, he said, hey, more trades are coming. No, no, I'm talking about about the fact that, like, it's the Siakam trade is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about not making your Bruce Brown trade now. It's like, I don't think that affects things one way or another. And I understand the idea of you need to let a market develop and, you know, you make the best trade when you can, but we couldn't have made this trade a year ago. Again, like, this is what I keep coming back to with Siakam. You understood the way this was going to play out and you let it come into the season that is that guy had such an outsized impact on the franchise, rightfully so. It was always going to throw things off kilter when that divorce inevitably happened. So bringing it into the season, waiting into the middle of the season when you did, that's why I think we're in the spot we are. I, I again, my expectations are not. I don't think outlandish here, right? Like I, I don't, I don't think there's a championship contender. I don't even think there's a playoff team. Like obviously, I don't think it's a play-in tournament team. I don't, th- I don't think. I don't think any of those things. Mm. And maybe they shouldn't even beat the John Moran, Desmond Bainless Grizzlies. Should look like they have a chance to beat the John Moran, Desmond yeah, Bainless. They shouldn't shoot themselves in the foot at the beginning of the game. a team like that. Yeah. No, they shouldn't. Shouldn't look like that for 48 minutes. That's if you got a developmental coach, okay. You don't have to win the basketball games, but you have to instill proper um routines and expectations here. And that yeah. that was for me, not acceptable. We'll talk to Alvin Williams later on in the program about those very same Raptors. Uh, when we come back, maybe the Leafs catching the Winnipeg Jets at the right time as mm. uh, they they lose uh, yesterday in Boston. They have two Super Bowls this week, though. So <laughs> They got uh, home and home against the Leafs starting tomorrow. Um, for the first time in a long time, they allowed more than three goals in a hockey game. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the Jets and the Toronto Maple Leafs next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 5.9, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brian Gunning. I made an outdoor rink for the first time last year for my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, went the whole very poorly. Yeah, for the neighborhood. I made it in the park. That uh, went very poorly. Mm. Um, part of that was my fault. Part of that was Mother Nature. Yeah. And this year I decided not to do it mm-hmm. because I, f- I feel like in this climactic region, it's tough. It's, it's going to be difficult going forward. Um and I was on a bunch of outdoor ranks with my kid over the last, you know, three, four days. Mm-hmm. That was great. And it had me, like, kind of wistful and, and a little, honestly, regret, regretful. I was like, mm. man, how nice would this be if this was not in my backyard but in the park behind my backyard yeah. like it was last year? And, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd not decided uh, that I was going to give up after just one year of, mm-hmm. of making outdoor yeah, ranks. you're a quitter. Just say it. I stand by my decision okay. because winter's over and I mean, 14 day forecast isn't everything. Yeah. I know this is people, you know, may roll their eyes at this, inc- this incredible weather talk, but mm-hmm. I, I got to tell you, man, uh, 
I feel for the people who made outdoor rinks right now. I mean, they, this is this is end of January, early February yeah. in Canada, and I think it's over. I honestly think it's over. Yeah, I don't. I I I cannot do this because. Outdoor rink might be over, but every single year we do it. Like, yeah, it's actually a mild winter. No, 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 and then no, in the middle of March, no, but then in the middle of March, it's just for no yeah, good yeah. reason. Minus no, no, it's, 10 or it's something. It's not and it summer until June. And it's disgusting. Yeah, I think it is over. I I would say to those people, uh, you, you feel bad for them who made outdoor rinks. I'd say this is mean maybe, but I don't know, like read a book, open a farmer's almanac. What did you think was going to happen? She's getting warmer, guys. We don't need to go into the whole... So that's it. So, like, we're done forever. We're in southern Ontario. Yeah, I think so. Like, I I do. I think there's going to be sickos who do it, and, you know, it's like, depending on the climate, there's other places. Yeah, but, like, you're farther south than other places. It gets warmer. That's how the world works. It's how it's always worked. And uh, yeah, I think that I think the idea of having a nice long two, three month ODR season, she's done. Yeah, yeah. Last year it was literally a week. Uh, this year, I think we're we're looking at less than that. Uh, anywho, it does make me sad though because uh, I, I every year I like just seeing all the pictures. Everything from there is a four by four patio stone thing that my kid can just walk in circles around on to here is a farmer's field that we have flooded to turn yeah. into 37 rinks. I, everything in between all of that, I cannot ever get enough of the pictures of the ODR. So yeah. good job, everybody. And there's people that are in listening uh, in range of, of, of our voices, which is, I mean, the globe really, yeah. I mean, you can listen to us uh, through internet means uh, that, that their outdoor rink season as it started in like late November yeah. and continues oh, until sure. March. But yeah, I'm just my, saying. Uh, my brother-in-law lives up in Sudbury. Guess what? Bet he could have an ODR if he wanted one. Yeah. In in where we lived, uh, GTA, it's over, man. It sucks. You uh, be okay? No, nah, my kid really loved it. And he played his, his first game of uh, Shinny over the weekend. It's all right. Uh, he'll have to, you know, suffice playing indoors uh, until uh, March. All right. Uh, Winnipeg Jets and Toronto Maple Leafs get mm. used to it. It's like throwback to the North Division times because they got a, a home and home against them coming up starting tomorrow at Scotiabank Arena, then in uh, in Winnipeg on Hockey Night in Canada. On Saturday, uh, Jets have been one of the great success stories of the season, except for yesterday. They go to Boston. They give up four goals in a hockey game. Give, uh, give up more than three goals in a game for the first time since November 2nd. That's a span of 34 games. Now, Connor Hellebuck... Mm-hmm. He was the topic of much trade speculation during the offseason. Pending free agent at the conclusion of this year was re-upped in, uh, in Winnipeg for north of $8 million on a cap hit for forever. He's 30 years old. He's yep. old. Old-ish. Not old. Yeah. Well, old. That's Martin Jones. Yeah. They, they, at the ripe old age of 34. He's 30. But he leads the NHL in five-on-five goals, saved above average, save percentage, and he is second in goals against average. This is a guy that I think could have been had this offseason. Maybe, yeah. maybe that the reports are incorrect and the Jets and, and he were always going to come to a contract extension. Mm-hmm. But every report that I read was that, like, man, look at the potential difference makers that are available. We're talking about a former Vesna winner. Yep. And, and he, was, he was there to be had. Now, this is an, an area that we've, we've discussed at length, being mm-hmm. very unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Voodoo, pixie dust, I love them all. But there are very few guys that you can you can actually count on. I, and 
you know, history would tell us that he's one of those guys. And if you have one of those guys, it's very hard to fail. It's mm -hmm. really, really hard to just be like, ab like just an abject disaster through an 82-game regular season or into the postseason. They managed to do it in the postseason last year and, like, the coach fired and be one of the biggest question mark teams in the NHL going into the they season. Did. But all it took was one offseason where you re-up him, you re-up Mark Shively, and all of a sudden you're back battling at the top of the NHL standings. I mean, we can talk about this in specific Leaf terms, but yeah. didn't the NHL swing and miss hard if he was available in trade this past offseason? You definitely have to look at the performance and say yes, but I, and, you know, feel free to tell me that this is, that's poppycock and garbage, but I don't think, I think goaltending is the position where you can the least just say, well, just take the guy's numbers and put him on another team and it'd be pretty similar. I don't think that's how it works at all. I mean, with forwards, you can kind of do that, especially if a guy's a goal scorer and he's not, you know, feeding off, like if it's not a Joe Thornton, Jonathan Chichu scenario here, you can kind of trans transplant a guy's goal totals and say, okay, he'll be kind of about this number. If he's been a consistent point producer throughout his career, you can generally speaking say, all right, you can kind of expect that until there's a decline for the player. With goaltending, you see it in years where the guy doesn't change teams where he just loses it so yeah you point at the numbers you point at the track records you point at everything and say every team in the league should have been knocking down Winnipeg's doors to get this guy but I also think it's far from a guarantee that you get this version of Hellybuck and I don't just say that in terms of what the team in front of him is giving him in terms of structure and play mm. it's the mentality, the comfort, mm. the being in Winnipeg of Ooh. it all. Like, these things matter. These things do. And th don't take that as me saying Connor Hellybuck couldn't handle the Toronto market. But it's not a absolute guaranteed certainty he would have. You, you're going to tell me it's the same thing to be a no, Jet as a No, I'm not. It's, I think it's a very valid point. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I guess. Defensive this morning. I, I just, I don't know how you evaluate that. And you're right. It's something... Boy, you'd have to be pretty certain of the person if you were going to swing a trade like that, despite the fact that he had one more year on his deal. I think everybody did look at that guy as a former Vesna winner. Yeah. And again, like if, if we're going to parse numbers and try and separate the individual performance from the team performance, wouldn't it be a stat like goals saved above average? Yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, that's the best we can do. Yep. Like, it's not a perfect stat, but like if you were going to try and, and mm -hmm. evaluate the individual player outside of the circumstance and the structure that's played yep. outside of him. It would be goal saved above average. And this is a guy, again, that has been great in the past. He's yep. been pretty great every single year of his NHL career. Um, all right, let's talk specifically now yeah. about this Leafs team because, man, it's hard for me to put my mind to the I into the spot of this past offseason when you had the season that... Ilya Samsonov had a year ago. Yep. The fact that he was still under contract at a good number for one more year, and then you had to make a decision. Um, the fact that you had a pretty limited sample of Joe Wall, but every time he he stepped into the NHL, whether it be the regular season or the the postseason, he's pretty good. Yep. And under a great deal, and potentially the next goaltender of the future, where you would swing a deal like that. But mm -hmm. that being said, I mean. I, I know we talk about the the like moral failings of of this Leafs core over the last seven years sure. in the postseason and whatever they have that it's just it doesn't work in the postseason. Yeah. You get like two, three more saves in some of these winner take all games. Yep. Have a goalie capable of stealing a hockey game, mm -hmm. and everything's different. And maybe Joe Wall is that, and 
and you, maybe you can point to the 60 game series against the, yeah. the, the the lightning as as being that for Ilya Samsonov and okay but maybe he, we'll he'll always remember it I'm not joking we will no and and maybe he'll get back to that this season in a one of the the craziest roller coaster goaltending seasons of all time. I'm not totally ruling that out. I mean, okay. either because again, sure. goaltending is voodoo. I actually was so mad that I didn't pre defend Samsonov before that crack and start. I thought about taking to X to do it, and then I was and just to be clear, taking to t- Twitter. I wasn't like going to yeah. take drugs and yell from the top of the moon yeah. like I love Samsonov. Eh, maybe. So I, okay, if we're gonna do this thought experiment of hey, should the Leafs have traded for Connor Hellebuck? We can't really do it in reality because there's just I yeah I I, I can't get myself to the spot where it makes sense Here's, considering the goaltending situation for the Leafs last the, this past off season. But like knowing what we know now, <laughs> can we do that? Like knowing what we know now and knowing what the price is gonna be for Mitch Marner going forward because he would be like yeah, yeah. And, and the Jets would have to throw more in there. I was gonna say yeah, like yeah, you're getting like so you're getting depth. And you're getting a player that's cheaper. Like, Mm -hmm. even if you sign him to the same extension the Jets did, he's cheaper than, way cheaper than Mitch Marner's next contract. He's aged, and who knows what the end of that deal is going to look. But if we're doing the, like, cap hit, or uh, salary cap is going going up. up, I've heard this. Are you you game to do this thought experiment thing? Not quite, but I have a scenario where I am. I think that the only way that that is a realistic option. At first, in terms of the Leafs goaltending, where they were at at the time, yeah, Samsonov won them the series. They, I'm imagining at that at this point in time, so if we're going to throw Mitch Marner into this, this would have had to have been at the draft before his no-move tri- kicked in. Mm-hmm. I would imagine at the draft, the Leafs had already made up their mind saying we're going to take Samsonov to arbitration. It uh, will not be a long-term deal here. So, yeah, they liked what they got out of the goalie, but they also realized they had a guy that they were not willing mm-hmm. to make a long-term bet on. So I think that colors the conversation a bit, but it doesn't make it a non-starter. I think the only way you would have looked at this kind of thought experiment is anything close to reality is if the Jets and and Hellybuck and Shifley, quite frankly, were just unable to come to anything close to terms. And they said, all right, we need a complete reset. And you're not doing it as a, we're going to trade for Connor Hellybuck and sign him to an eight-year extension. Because I think, I'm not saying there wouldn't be teams lined up to do that. But with a goaltender, it's just less certain than it is with a defenseman or a forward. And I think that there would have maybe been a world where that market would have been more a rental market and see what happens versus a sign and trade like we often see with guys. And then if that's the case, it's a very, very different trade you're looking at. So that's the only world where I think you can kind of do that experiment. If it's just a straight up, like, yeah, the, the pipe dream of, and, and I don't mean this from a leaf fan perspective, but from a content perspective of all like Marner for hell you buck. Those mm-hmm. are the principles crazy. I, there's just also no world where that was going to be Brad for living's introduction to Leafs nation. Of <laughs> it trading. would have been quite it a been incredible. It would have been the ultimate. <laughs> I have no fear that I am the most secure man of all time swing. It would have been wild if he would have done it yeah i mean no doubt that being said (laughs) no chance i would have that being said okay like swap the players today sure connor hellebuck mitch marner and like okay so you're getting more depth pieces right like you're not getting anyone to the to the the elite level of a 99 point player in mitch marner Mm -hmm. But okay, you're, you're. It's not just like, hey, you're su- you're subtracting a forward from uh, a very thin group of forwards, right? Like you're yep. adding to your depth. And I'm like, okay, I haven't 
gone into the weeds into what the return would have been in well, that no, regard. Here, here's where you here's where you do do that though is. Hellybuck makes what he makes this year, and Marner, you know, he's due a raise, but, like, he still makes a lot of money mm-hmm. right now. And then if you do that, or you, if you if you go out and sign Connor Hellybuck, I can see two molds of this. Maybe that emboldens you even more to sign John Klingberg. Oh, we got we got Connor Hellybuck back mm-hmm. there. Who cares if Klingberg plays D? Or maybe you build your team in a completely different way where you say, we don't need a Max Domi. Mm-hmm. We need whatever the inverse of him is. And I actually, Domi's the guy I've liked the most of all the signings. So I don't mean that to pick on him. But I do wonder, like, it's such an interesting sliding doors because if you go get the goalie, yeah. the way I'm wired is, well, you got the goalie. He's going to make the saves. Go load it up and have a fire wagon team. But I can see a guy like Treliving going the exact opposite way. And you're not signing Domi. You're not signing Bertuzzi. You're not signing Klingberg. And now all of a sudden, I'm very here for that world because I wouldn't have to relitigate well, all these contracts all the time. Yeah, replay this entire season from game one with Connor Hellebuck as your number one goaltender. Where are the Leafs standings-wise? They are a team now with a below 900 save percentage. This yep. is a guy with a near, like he's got a 920 save percentage. You're right. It's like Apple's... To grapefruits, I get it. And I don't think you have to throw this part in as well. I don't think that this nukes the number that much, but I think it's fair to say Austin Matthews is not at 38 goals. Yeah. Because Nylander's not stapled to his hip the whole year. Yep. It'd be Nylander and Tavares because I still think you would have started the year that way and you would have mm-hmm. challenged Matthews to say, all right, it's you, Nyes, and Yarncrock or, you know, place filler X, whoever the mm-hmm. forward would have been there. I don't know, maybe Michael Bunting comes back because that's the guy. Like, it's so interesting, but I think that's the other part of it as well. If you're going to talk about all the good that Hellybuck would bring, and man, he'd bring so much good, what would that do to Matthews' season? And yeah. I don't think, it, I, guess what? He's probably still close to or leading the league in goals, but it's not 30 even strength uh, goals at this point in time. And don't take this to be Austin. Austin Matthews is yeah. a Mitch Marner creation. It's probably the other way around. If anything, it's not. They're both great players, but I think you have to throw that part of it in as well. All we've done is come to the, well, me especially, come to the mic every single day talking about this historic season. We might not be having it if they did make that trade, but the lease might be in a better spot. Yeah. I, just, I mean, he's making, so 6.1, Connor Hellebuck is against the cap this year before his extension kicks in next year at eight and a half. Yeah. So Sergei Bobrovsky, I think we all looked at that Ten. deal as yeah. like, whoa, and they're like, Carey Price, 10 plus, right? Oh. Yeah, those, those are scary. Yeah. And 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 in the case of Carey Price, one that was really hindering your team until they made him go away. I mean, they didn't make him go away. His career ended yes. uh, because of injury. Uh, survey, Sergei Bobrovsky, I, I mean. Appeared dead and gone. Yeah, and, and he's back in a big way. Um, yeah, I just, I, I look at, I mean, we talk about uh, contract value for production. Connor Hellebuck has to be viewed very much in that mold right now. So this is a, you know, this is, I feel like the wrong answer given the benefit of hindsight. But even with that, I still say if those are just the principles involved and, you know, I know you'd need to know it was on the jet side, but I'm just, I'm, I would be way too scared to pull the trigger on elite forward. Who's in his twenties for goalie. Who's elite, but is 30. It's just like it. Living in the moment right now, I could totally talk myself into it. Mm-hmm. But putting myself in Brent Gunning's shoes in the summer. Oh, no. Oh, barbecue. Of barbecue course. Because it's a goaltender. Yeah, exactly. And then you're doing the thing <laughs> exactly. that, like, we've laughed at many a franchise <laughs> yeah. before. Yeah. Specifically the one that beat the Leafs in five games last season. Yeah. The Florida Panthers making a stupid move with a, a guy that they thought was going to be great and has been What about great. Matthew Kachuk? Could they have traded for him? Because <laughs> no, that's actually what I <laughs> well, think is the missing I, thing. Yeah, here, because, you know? well, and... 
and it's just it's a lot easier to project uh, a player of Matthew totally. Kachuk or even Mitch Marner's yeah, ilk totally. going forward into their 30s than it is Connor Hellebuck yeah. at the end of, of his tenure. But right now, boy, yeah. hard to argue. We with say the, it all the time. Scoreboard. Uh, speaking of scoreboard, so Austin Matthews going to continue his pursuit of uh, of 70 goals tomorrow when he takes the ice against Connor Hellebuck and these Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. I mean, the Leafs in a playoff spot, okay? It's tenuous right now, and I know you've you've been strident in your belief that this is... Will continue to be. ...not going to be a situation where the Leafs find themselves on the outside of the playoffs looking in after game 82. But, like, say it did. Yeah, okay, sure. Sure. <laughs> and he scored 70 goals. Uh, there have been Rocket Richard winners since the lockout that have missed the playoffs. Uh, Alex Ovechkin had a season there yeah. where, where he led the league in goals and didn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But it's very hard to do that, to, yeah. to have a great individual season and miss the playoffs. I mean, I was just having a quick think about sure. some of the great wasted individual mm. seasons in Toronto sports history. There's so many Blue Jays. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't think you can talk about teams that didn't perform in the postseason because then oh. the list is like, fr- it's oh, super okay. long. That's where Why? I go. Oh, I mean, oh, that's where I go immediately. Okay, so yeah. then it's every Matthew <laughs> yeah, season that he's had. That is actually what I wrote down when you texted me that. I said, okay, well, we'll just start with the first seven Matthew seasons. That's right. immediately where my mind went. And then I went to Vlad's MVP year. Yeah, Vlad's MVP year. Or, sorry, sorry, sorry. Second. His fake MVP year. Second the one that in we will the American League. Uh, yeah, second in uh, American League MVP voting in 2021, the outlier of all outlier seasons for him. But like, if you will recall, <laughs> if you'll recall, Marcus Simeon also finished third in American League MVP voting that season in 2021. Marcus Simeon, his Blue Jays season, and like I know you talk about it, but mm. it is it is one of the great. Not not not. I'm not disagreeing with you. It's one of the great wasted seasons, but I actually think it's one of the truly like forgotten great seasons because he was here he was gone immediately you move on you're you like the signings that happened afterwards you go out and get your your gosman all these days like it just it is amazing how what a flash in the pan it was they completely nailed the one season bet so did he and then he goes and wins a world series yeah it's just god yeah i mean set the major league record for home runs hit by a second baseman with 45 it's a good idea more shortstops should do that yeah yeah <laughs> hit 45 home runs no moving just, to second just base. yeah just say like what's the like i would be if i was like what's the record for third baseman home runs if i was a big slug in first baseman mm-hmm. I'd be, come on give me a couple games over there like mm-hmm. yeah I, I do uh but yeah as soon as i saw that it's like yeah well, that's what happens when you have two shortstops in the lineup is uh generally speaking you can find some power at second base yeah uh, also, uh, before we go, like every Roy Halladay or that oh, Roger Clemens, uh, two seasons yeah, in obviously. Toronto. Yeah, yeah. like without a uh, shadow of a doubt, <laughs> the doc. Yeah. All right, when we come back, um, we get set for the conference championship weekend in the NFL, which does not include uh, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Bill Belichick still holding on to one interview this bizarro uh, offseason when it comes to the available NFL head coaches. We'll talk to Peter King of NBC Sports Football Morning in America next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.